Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 as we continue our study on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. Going to begin reading in verse 10. We'll read through the whole passage. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith it shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, Lord, I know that this is not a game. This is reality. This is truth. That we have the wiles of the devil that we have to face. There's a battle that's going on about us in the invisible world that we do not see, but we know about because you tell us about it. We know we live in an evil day, and it's so easy, easily, uh, easy to be defiled by it. I pray the Spirit of God would teach us the importance here of the armor of God that is given us for this battle. We're to be on the offensive. We're to be on the attack. But we're also to be well armored. Have your way in each of our lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've said often, you remember, we're facing in this day the wiles of the devil to deceive us. There's the battle to defeat us. And then there is the, um, let's see, what's the other one? The evil day to defile us. And he gives us the armor that we are supposed to have. I want you to notice again when he says in verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. And then down in verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. This is not a buffet. This is not a pick and choose. God gives us all of these things in the battle and you don't want to go into it unprepared. Now we began to discuss the parts of the armor a couple weeks ago. First of all, we talked about stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. It begins with truth. Now I don't know if it's true or not that you fight fire with fire, but I'll tell you this, you don't fight error with error. You fight error with truth. And the very first piece of armor that has to be on is this matter of truth. Well, where's truth? Well, thy word is truth. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, think not that I am come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. We have the truth right here in God's word. You've got even independent Baptists today trying to convince their people that truth is found in all the different translations of the Bible, even though they say a bunch of things totally different. That's nonsense. That's wickedness. And it's wrong. We've got a Bible that has the truth. That's our King James Bible. That's why we preach from it. Truth is what you want. We don't need to be guessing at truth. Well, I like what this translation says about this. I like what this translation says about that. What you're saying is you don't know which is true. You've just made it. You become God. 
because you're choosing what is God's word. God's already chosen. He's given it to us. That needs to be enough for us. So have your loins girt about with truth. And then he said in the next one that we covered, um, he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is not the righteousness of Christ. This is a piece of armor that you are to put on. When you got saved, the righteousness of Christ was was imputed to you so that now when God sees us, when he looks at me, he doesn't see Mike Allison, the sinner. He sees the righteousness of his son. He has put that on me. He's done that. The armor of righteousness is not the righteousness of Christ. Uh, The righteousness of Christ is inward. The armor of righteousness is outward. Something that people see, and it's very, very important that you have that right. So the breastplate is that outer garment. It is ornamental in that it is to be seen, and it is an identifier of what we are and who we are. We are the people who follow the righteous one. We ought to live like it. We ought to look like it. We ought to act like it. And if you're ashamed to look and act and walk, Like your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're surely not very spiritual and you don't have much of a walk with him. And then we covered having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we talked about that last time as well. Today, we're going to be dealing with the matter of the shield of faith. Now, the, the word shield is used a number of times in the scripture. Many times our Lord has said that he is our shield. Let me give you a number of verses. Genesis 15, 1, he's speaking to Abram. And he says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He is our shield. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 3, the God of my rock and him will I trust. He is my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior, thou savest me from violence. In Psalm 3 and verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 36. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. And thy gentleness hath made me great. The Lord is our shield against all wickedness and sin. Psalm 28 and verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. In Psalm 33 and verse 20, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 33 and verse 20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 84 and verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 115 and verse 9, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So God is our shield. But now he's talking about a piece of armor. And with the armor, he calls it here, above all, taking the shield of 
faith. Now, we know without faith, it is impossible to please him. But faith is needed. Whether you're facing the wiles of the devil that are there to deceive you, you need to stick up the shield of faith that no matter how deceiving it may sound, how good the lies may sound, that you keep holding on to God's truth. You don't let go of it. Now, here's the key. Notice what he says, above all. We see, first of all, the priority of this shield of faith. We're reminded twice before the importance of, of getting every piece of armor. But we're, whereas we're supposed to get every piece of armor, he says, but above all, the shield of faith. Above all, don't forget this one. You've got to have this one right here. Above all. The shield of faith. This is priority. And Paul begins that verse with those two words for that reason. If you take the other three but miss this one, you're probably going to fall. I mean, all right, shield, you, you have your loins girt about with truth and you have on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, of truth. But understand that God, I'm sorry, the devil is going to be throwing his fiery darts at you. And that shield is there to protect you from those fiery darts and from the damage that they can do to you. So that when we get down and the feelings are rampant toward quitting, we're still standing true because we've got the word of God. Listen to me, down through the church age, there have been multitudes of people who have gone to the fires, are gone to the axeman's chop, for the Lord Jesus Christ, how were they able to do it? You know, for some reason, I look down through the church age and I see what people have gone through for Christ. Just read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Go ahead and read By Their Blood by uh, James and Marty Hefley, Martyrs of the 20th Century. I've got news for you. God doesn't bring all of his saints out of a fire trial. Sometimes you just go through it. In Hebrews chapter 11, you've got the chapter on the hall of faith right there. And in that chapter of the hall of faith, you've got people who saw great victories. You also have people in the hall of faith that ended up being tortured. As a matter of fact, let's just look at it a minute. Go over to Hebrews chapter, uh, uh, chapter 11. You get down near the end of the chapter. He gives us a long list of different people who saw great victories and saw God do tremendous things. But you get to chapter 30, or verse 35 of chapter 11. And he says, women received their dead raised to life again. Now notice, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, I'm not quite sure. I have to confess to you, as many times I've read this, I'm not quite sure what a better resurrection is. I mean, let's face it, the resurrection is good for all believers. Isn't that right? I believe it was good for Abraham. I believe it was good for uh, um, uh, Moses. I believe it was good for uh, the children of Israel, for the harlot, the Rahab. I believe the resurrection for them was great. But these people that went through the trials and they went through the burning, they got a better resurrection. Now, we're going to find that in heaven and we're going to say, you know, that's so. That's so. Now, I'm not crazy about having my head chopped off. I'm not crazy about going through the fire or being put in jail. But a lot of Christians have been put in jail. 
We've read the stories of what took place during communism and the Christians that were sent off to the prison camps that were up in, in, uh, what was the name of the place? Siberia. There you go. I was going to say Serbia, and I knew that wasn't right. Up in Siberia. I mean, I'm glad I've not had to go through that stuff, but by the same token, I'm hoping and trusting that I would be willing to if it came my way. But we have this feeling that God needs to get us out of all our troubles. He'll go with us through all our troubles. And yes, he'll bring some out of those troubles here. Others, their troubles will end when they get to glory. Think of it in reality and put up the shield of faith where we stand regardless. When the disciples were threatened with beatings and jailings in Acts chapter 4, and they started praying in the latter part of Acts chapter 4. They didn't pray for God to spare them from the sufferings. They said, grant us all boldness that we may speak thy word. And that's what they did. They weren't asking for a way out. They were asking for courage and boldness to go through it. Now let's get back here to this matter, this matter of the priority of it. After all, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end are, are the ways of death. We can think of all kinds of reasons why we ought to escape the hard times. But be careful. Our reasonings usually are messed up because our flesh is messed up. Paul says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So no matter what you may be going through, you take the shield of faith and say, I'm standing anyway. I'm, I'm trusting God. God's will is going to be done. That's my desire that God's will be done. And I'm holding to that. This is not a time to bend. It's not a time to break. It is a time to stand. Over in Hebrews chapter 3. Turn there a moment. Hebrews chapter 3. I love these verses beginning in verse 12. Of Hebrews chapter 3. He says, for, I'm sorry, I was in chapter 4, so verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren. Chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That could happen to me and that could happen to you. What's going to beat that? Oh, shield of faith. Shield of faith. Hold to what you know is true. Understand this. Our theology should not change with our circumstances. Our theology should remain the same in the hard times as it was in the easy times. God's truth doesn't change just to fit our situation. God's truth is always true. Yes, you need your loins girt about with truth. That's knowing the truth of God's word. You need the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But above all, you need this shield. That's priority. Then you've got the protection of the shield. For he says um, in the verse, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith... Ye shall be able to quench most of the fiery darts of the wicked. Is that what it says? No, all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, the Bible tells us over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 
that we are not ignorant of his devices, the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. Well, how do we know about the devil's devices? Well, because the scripture tells us about it. For instance, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, in the garden, the first of his devices was doubt. Yea, hath God said? Yea, hath God said? I mean, we've got people questioning the word of God among independent Baptists today. Yea, hath God said? Yes, God has said. That's enough for me. You know, when he said, yea, hath God said, really, Eve should only had one answer. Yes, God said what he said. That's enough for me. Get out of here. That would have been plenty. But you see, she didn't hold up that shield of faith as to what God had said. So then it came to denial. You'll not surely die. Fiery darts of the wicked one. And you've got to be careful out there because the world denies God's word. When our former president got up and made light of the word of God by mocking what the Bible, how God commanded the parents in the wilderness to treat their children who were rebellious, he mocked it. And then he went on to revere the Holy Quran. That's how he pronounced it. That was our former president. Here he was denying the word of God and mocking the word of God and then speaking very respectfully for the Holy Quran, which is a corrupt book. Now, you think about that, man. That's it. Well, so what's going to be our stand? Shield of faith. I believe God's word. It's true from beginning to end. Whatever God says is right. God's right all the time. So those fiery darts of doubt and denial with Joseph, no doubt, he tried to use discouragement on him. I mean, it seems like the better Joseph was, the tougher times got. First of all, he was obedient to the father. For that, his brothers sell him into slavery. He ends up being an excellent slave. Potiphar puts his entire house under Joseph. But then Potiphar's wife lies about Joseph and he gets thrown in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but that'd be kind of discouraging. Here he is. He's only done right. He's only obeyed those that were in authority over him. And look what it's brought him down to. It's brought him down to the prison house. But in the prison house, he stayed true to God. The devil likes to use discouragement and also disgrace. Because think about it. Here's a man who comes from a wealthy family. His family was well known for how great it was. And here he was a grandchild to uh, uh, a great grandchild to Abraham. I mean, what a marvelous, what a marvelous figure. And now here he is in prison and he's been accused of attempted rape. It's wrong how disgraceful that would be to be accused of something like that that you did not do and everybody heard that you had done it. And of course, people are going to believe what they're going to believe and there's not much you can do to change what they're going to believe. But he stayed true. Even though he was disgraced, we don't find him turning around. By the way, he tried to use distraction on Paul. Tried to use distraction. How about when it came to Peter? When Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentile Christians there at Antioch. Now, what does Paul do? Because after all, Peter actually walked with Jesus. Paul didn't walk with Jesus. Peter was known as a leader among the apostles. And here's Paul. He is the least of the apostles. But Paul has done wrong. (coughs) What did he do? Stood for truth. See, that's the shield of faith. 
You stand still for what was true. No matter who else does wrong, you're going to do right. It's amazing how many Christians are so willing to give up doing right because they see another Christian that they ought to thought to know better to just do right, and they didn't do right. But that doesn't make you such a good Christian if you quit because somebody else doesn't do right. What can keep you going right? Shield of faith. Shield of faith. So he used distraction with Paul. And then the thorn in the flesh. Here he's been serving God. Look at all that he has suffered for God. Now he's got a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it should depart from me. He asked God three times to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul responds, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmity, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He didn't allow distraction or disappointment to keep him from serving God. We do have an enemy. The priority, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The priority of the shield, the protection of the shield, and the pattern of the shield. What's that? That's of faith. It's not a shield of gold. It's not a shield of steel. It's not a shield of titanium. It's a shield of faith. We were saved by grace through faith. This is not saving grace. You understand there's more than just saving grace talked about in the Bible. There is the grace of God that bringeth salvation, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. But there's also grace to serve, according to Hebrews 12, 28. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There is the grace of giving also mentioned in the scripture. You see, there's, there's about eight different mentions of different things that grace is there for. The very fact that we have the privilege of serving God is something's given to us by grace. We don't deserve the privilege of serving God. We don't deserve the privilege of giving God anything. What on earth can we give God that can help him that he couldn't make himself if he wanted to? And yet he'll accept our gifts. That's part of his grace. And what a marvelous truth. So when we're talking about the shield of faith here, we're not talking about saving grace. This is for people who are already saved, and this is a piece of armor that we are to put on. Now for that, we need to get an idea about what faith is. Because sometimes when it comes to defining what faith is, some people have some really weird ideas about it. But I'll remind you, it is a lot like the wind you don't, you don't ever see the wind. You see results of the wind. You see things being affected by the wind, but you don't see the wind. Now, I know radar can see it, but you can't see that from where you're at. You can see clouds that may be generated by it or clouds that cause wind to come about, but you don't actually see the wind. When you see a dust, dust storm come up, you say, wow, look at that wind. No, you're looking at dust that's flying around. Because of the wind, you're not seeing the wind. When it, comes to, uh, when it comes to this matter of faith, God gives us a definition for it. Turn over to Hebrews again, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want you to notice verse 1. God gives us a definition of faith. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. There is a, sums, a substance 
to it. This matter of faith, it's real. He says, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I can look at you. You can be dressed up in your church clothes and uh, holding your Bible and singing the songs of Zion as, as the music is played. And boy, that all looks good, but I still can't tell if you're much of a person of faith by just looking at what you've got on or what you're singing. But what can I see? I can see what faith does in your life. It is the evidence of things not seen. There are people, according to James chapter 2, who will tell you they have faith, but they don't have any works to back it up. We don't see any evidence of their faith. Real faith has evidence to prove that it's there. Now, he says, without faith, without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, a person of faith will diligently seek him. As you read through chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, after he says through faith, Abel, through faith, Noah, through faith, Abraham, through faith, as he goes through every one of those, there is always a product or something that you can see where they're, that they had faith. By faith, Jacob blessed his children. By faith. He did that by faith. Well, it doesn't sound like much. It doesn't have to be much. But how do we know he had faith? Well, God tells us how we know he had faith. It's a substance. It's evidence. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, all right. Then how do I make my faith stronger? How can I grow my faith? You remember the disciples asked a question similar to that. They were told that they were to forgive people. They were to forgive them seven times in a day. And then the next day they got seven more shots at you. And you're to forgive them every time. And when they heard that, they asked Jesus the question. They said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. They thought they needed more faith. That was not a faith issue. He goes on to tell them the story about having a servant who is out working in the fields all day and he comes in. Which of you aren't going to say to him first, get me something to eat before you eat. And then after you've eaten, then you'll let him eat. And he's to say, and the lesson for us is this, that we are simply unprofitable servants who are to do what we're commanded to do. You see, forgiving people, that's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of obedience to God. But when it comes to faith, as he lets us know in the scripture, if you want it to grow, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith cometh by and hearing by. You need to hear the word of God. You want it to grow? Hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. Go over to Revelation chapter 1. Just this book alone, notice what it says in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Now notice, don't stop there. And keep those things which are written therein, therein, for the time is at hand. So he promises a blessing to those who read it and those that hear it. 
and those who keep it. In other words, for us just to hear the word of God and not do it, then we are deceivers of our own selves, according to James chapter 1, verse 22, when he says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we need to hear the word of God. Well, how do we do that? Well, we assemble together to hear the word of God. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. God's letting us know that it's far more important that we hear his word than that he hears ours. By the way, you can't tell anything God doesn't already know anyway. Isn't that right? There's nothing you can impart to God that he's going to say, wow, I never thought of that. I don't care how spiritual you are. But God's truth will help your faith grow because you know what God says in his word and he's magnified his word even above his name. So the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine uh, might, uh, lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The just shall live by faith. It means you stick with him and his word no matter what. No matter what fiery darts may come your way. Let me give you an example. What about this matter of child raising? Well, you can go to all the psychiatrists you want to go to. I wouldn't trust them if they're not giving you the pure word of God and they've got to be saved first. If they're not saved or they're not spiritual, why would you go listen to them? Children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And he's told us how we're to raise our children. We're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And yes, I believe in corporal punishment because God taught it in the scripture. He that spareth the rod hateth his son. He that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That's early when they need it. You don't wait till they disobeyed you five times. You get them the first time they disobey you. Well, we live in a society that's not friendly to that. They don't like that. Well, mainly because most of the people, unfortunately, uh, aren't even saved. So they're not going to do it right. And unfortunately, too many of the Christians are confused. They're confused because, yes, they've seen the Bible, but they know the world says violence always begets violence. So if you spank a child, all you're doing is teaching them to be violent. Not if you do it the way we did it with our children. Always reminds me of that story of Bill Rice preaching on spanking. I think it was Love Them, Lick Them, and Learn Them was the name of the message. You can still get that probably from the Bill Rice Ranch. But uh, he had a lady come up to him after him preaching that message one time and she said I'll have you know that if your dad had uh, let's see if my dad had spanked me like your dad spanked you I'd have hated him all my life he said ma'am if your dad would have spanked you like my dad spanked me you'd have loved him for quitting (laughs) if you do it right I mean we always had good times of loving after the spankings If you do it right, that's the way it should be. They shouldn't be up in their room bad-mouthing mom and dad. Man, that should all be out of them by the time you get to the end of the spanking. If you're going to do it right, it takes time, and you got to love them. By the way, here's just a side note, and I'm not preaching on 
on disciplining children so much right now except by way of example. If you're going to spank your children properly, it needs to be as soon as possible after they've done wrong. Not the fifth, sixth, seventh time, but after they've done wrong the first time. You're not mad yet. If you have to wait, if you have to get mad in order to spank your children, you're not doing it right. I'll guarantee it. They need to learn that you mean what you say the first time you say it, not just the fifth time you say it. So you do it right. You do it early. That's the way God says to do it. Scripture says because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Why is so, there so much crime in places like New York City? You've got people running around loose outside New York City who already have charges pending on four or five different crimes. There's been no punishment. They were arrested and they were let loose by woke DAs. No wonder their hearts are fully set in them to do evil. Somebody just read their Bible. They can straighten out the justice system of this country. I guess you'd have to do more than read it. You'd have to believe it and obey it. He's talking about the shield of faith. So when it comes to doubting, you begin to wonder, man, is this working? You just stand by his word. Be not weary in well-doing. In due season you reap if you faint not. When Brother Puente came to be our Spanish pastor, I said, here is the verse for the ministry. Verse for the ministry, Galatians 5, or 6, 9. Be not weary in well-doing. In due season you reap if you faint not. He just stuck with it. There were good days. There were bad days. There were tough days. And there were good days. And there were tough days. And there were good days. And the, the thing grew. We ended up with a lot of missionaries coming out of our Spanish congregation as well as our English congregation. I tell you, the most discouraging ministry you can have is a youth ministry. But I'm sure I told John when he came and I told other youth pastors when they came, be not weary in well-doing. In due season you reap if you faint not. They don't just suddenly become all little angels. And some that started to grow wings have them fall off and you got to work with them all over again. Be not weary in well-doing. Just claim God's promise. Be not weary in well-doing. In due season you reap if you faint not. Just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. When people deny the word of God, you just stand on the word of God. Don't back down. People say, well, nobody goes by that today. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm standing by God's truth. The shield of faith. I'm not going to go by man's wisdom. I'm going to go by God's wisdom. I'm just holding up the shield of faith. You get discouraged? Listen, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job said, I've esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. Here's Job. He's suffering. He's hurting. He's lost all of his kids. He's lost all of his property. His wife is beaten and she is down. But he wouldn't budge from trusting the Lord. That's the shield of faith. Now you read the last chapter, obviously it comes out on top. What about disgrace? Paul was disgraced. He was jailed many times. You think about what the apostle Paul went through. But he didn't quit. There are going to be calls to compromise. Man, don't compromise. Stand trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy You see, we're not going to be ordaining homosexuals of the gospel ministry here. We're not going to have female preachers here. 
I mean, there's just an awful lot of things we're not going to do. Why? Because it's contrary to God's word. We're going to just hold up the shield of faith. He says, but so many churches are changing. Not the real ones. Shield of faith. You just keep standing for truth when distractions come along. Sometimes it's a health distraction. Sometimes it might be a financial distraction. But just because you're going through a trial doesn't mean God doesn't know or God doesn't care. He does care. And I'm just going to serve him anyway. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. The shield of faith. The devil's got his fiery darts. You can count on it. Matter of fact, John R. Rice used to say if they went a week without having several uh, people that have canceled their pres- uh, subscriptions to the sword of the Lord, he would get together and say, boy, we need to, we're, we must not be doing something right. If the devil's not fighting, we must not be doing something right. That's when he'd preach another or put another hard message in the sword just to get some, some canceled subscriptions. So he knew the devil would be fighting. The shield of faith, we're in a battle. The fiery dart, Satan's going to cast him. You stand by his word. Don't listen to the philosophies. Get away from the church growth books. They're out there. They'll tell you how to get a crowd. We're not interested in the crowd. We're interested in getting people saved. I mean, you just put a bunch of lost people in church with a bunch of saved people, and it's kind of like putting a little poison in a pure glass of water. The one thing you never have, again, is a pure glass of water. You got nothing but poison. Amazes me. Do you realize that there are some churches have a a regenerated membership and an unregenerate membership? That's amazing to me. Now, a lot of times you find that among Presbyterian churches where they've got people that have been regenerated, that is born again, and people who haven't been. How in the world can they be in the same church? Missed the whole point. Bible truth. So stop listening to philosophies. Don't listen to culture. Hold up to shield of faith. No matter what's coming down the road, you say, man, if things just keep looking darker and darker and darker, get off Fox News. I mean, I already am considering that you're not on CNN anyway, and you're not on ABC or CBS. I mean, we already know, know where those people are at. But all the 24-hour news stations, conservative or otherwise, all they keep doing is bringing you the bad news. Concentrate on the good news. We've already won. We've already won. We can't lose. How do I know? I've read the last chapter. Hallelujah. Above all, this is priority. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And parents, we need to teach our kids to stand. The world, too many times, their Christian friends, when they get away from the moms and the dads, start mocking rules. You know, the rules are there for a reason. A lot of the rules are just very strong biblical reasons. Whether an eighth grader can understand it or not is not the point. If it's us saith the Lord, that ought to be enough for anybody. Shield of faith. I believe God's word, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. We're in a battle. The devil's not playing. We need to understand that. 
When he knocks you down, he's not going back into his corner. He's going to keep swinging. Shield of faith. Shield of faith. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to stand on your word. God, please, there may be some that are going through some things right now. The battle's very real to them, very hot. I pray tonight that they might come to an old-fashioned altar, spend some time with you just holding up the shield of faith. They're going to hang on. They're just going to trust you. They're going to continue to stand by your word. And we would say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God, have your way in our lives tonight in Jesus' name.